So really, my I remember my first three months talking about blowing up accounts. I did stupid on steroids, man. I lost like 30, 40, 50, that somewhere. And people ask me how long it took me to become profitable. It took, because that first year was so hard, it took me about two years to become cons consistently profitable. So today on the podcast, we got Ashton, who's been option trading for close to 10 years, eight years, and recently been following him a lot on Instagram, which is blowing up. I saw his goal this year is to hit 50,000 followers, and he's deep into option selling. So he is the guy if you want to learn all that stuff. So welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you, Ashton. You know what? It's a... It's always a pleasure to sit and talk shop with another experienced trader, not only experienced traders, but I love talking shop regardless, even if they've been trading for eight or nine years, like you and me versus eight or nine weeks, you know, it's a, it's, it's always an interesting dynamic because everybody's a little bit different. You know, the backgrounds are different. Their goals are different. Um, their thresholds and risk tolerances are different, but you and I both know that amongst the trading community, there's also a lot of similarities, you know, just cause we're all, we're all human, you know, we all have the same emotions and, um, we all want the same thing for the most part, not from a money standpoint, just from like fulfillment standpoint, you know? And, um, I think that's where experience really comes in very, very valuable for newer traders and saying, Hey, you know, I've been, I've been through the ringer, you know, and people say, well, I just blew up an account. Hey, Join the club, man. You know, <laughs> every experienced trader has done that at least once or maybe even five or six or seven times, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's a cool dynamic. I love, uh, I love teaching it. I love, I love what I do. So it's always, always fun to talk shop. Yeah. So you can kind of give us the details a little bit, but, um, you do run like a, a mentorship group and program and it's kind of knocked on frequently that you know if you're a successful trader why would you do this but like dude if, if i start out eight years ago i wish i had a mentor like i wish i watched 10 different youtube channels there wasn't 10 different option youtube channels back in 2015 like i was like one of the few back then and people have such an advantage nowadays but um that learning curve is brutal and having a someone in your corner is so valuable, especially when you have money on the line. So uh, first, I'd like to hear like kind of what you got going on on the side here with your group and everything and um, how long you've been doing it, all that stuff. Sure. So I got a, got a lot of different things going on right now. Um, I, I'm, I do have a Discord and I hate saying chat room and Discord because it's gotten such a bad rap. Yeah. Um, especially the past few years, rightfully so. Um, I started my community <laughs> little over two years ago um and to be honest with you i was avidly against it um because my previous six or seven years of trading i had been in discourse before you know i had been in 15 20 different chat i know how it works you know and i was like i have no interest in doing that yeah. um and all of a sudden social media started getting some traction and i had so many requests to start one um and then I eventually gave in. I said, you know what? Maybe I should and build it the right way, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Um, so I, I did that. And it gives, it's, it's, it's easy access for people who are genuinely interested. Now, in terms of a community, there are a lot of really good communities out there. The problem is, is that the majority of them are hot garbage. And let's just, let's just be honest. And um, 
you know, and that's mainly for like, in my opinion, communities who are geared strictly around sending out alerts. I think that is extremely dangerous, uh, both for the new trader trying to learn as well as the person running the community. You know, that is becoming more and more dangerous going forward. Um, but, you know, if there's a community that's centered around teaching, education, um, I think that's, that's worth a shot. Now, it really all boils down to, and, and people ask me all the time, and I'm sure they ask you too, is where do I start? And my answer to that every time is start on social media, find a trader that you can relate to, that you feel like you respect, somebody that you feel is genuine, and see how they trade. And if their style resonates with you and it's conducive to your lifestyle, then that might be a good fit for you versus someone who is constantly just posting gains, profits, and no, has no substance behind it. <laughs> that To me, that's a red flag, you know? And um, kudos to you and, and to all of all traders who are, who are in this boat. I, can, I throw myself in this category too. You know, social media, if you're if you're putting out great content and you're geared around teaching, that is essentially your free trial right there. You know, if you're wanting if you're wanting to learn. So if somebody's creating an Instagram post teaching, like, hey, here's a trade I took. Don't don't even talk about the profits. It has, it's completely irrelevant. But yeah. show the step by step. Here's what I was seeing. Here's why I did what I did, etc. That that is extremely valuable. You know, and people ask. You know, do you offer a free trial? No, I don't because my social media is my free trial because I put it all into my content. Um, so for me, it all boils it, to your to your point about a mentor. You got to have one. I mean, it's it's yeah. almost non-negotiable at this day and age, the way how, how fast things are changing, especially in the trading space. Um, now, whenever I first started, I took a course. Dude, I, I, I paid five or six grand for a course. <laughs> and right out of the gate, zero experience. Uh -huh. It was a penny stock trading. Tim, Tim's course? No, it wasn't Tim. I don't want to. I don't want to say who, but it wasn't Tim. Okay. Um, Not a good course. <laughs> no, it was. It was. It, it was constructed. Oh. It was constructed very, very well. That's good. Um, I learned a lot from it. Do I trade that way anymore? Absolutely not. <laughs> and I can't say I fully regret it because it got me in the game. You know. Um, if, if it wasn't for that course, I probably would never even start trading. So I can't say I fully regret it. Would I do that again and recommend paying $6,000 for uh, a PowerPoint slide course? No, I probably wouldn't recommend that. But yeah. can't say, can't say I uh, fully regret it, honestly. Yeah, when uh, you're basically running your own business as someone who's trading, like it's your business. And so when you hire people like to teach you, they either suck or they're good, but that's like your business lesson. Like you've learned something on how to basically weed out that person. Like I spent probably blew $15,000 last month on Facebook ads. And I said, this is the last time I'm blowing money, hiring the wrong person. So I bought some courses on Facebook ads. That's my lesson, man. I, I lost that money. That's my lesson. So if, if you invest in somebody and it's a bad decision, that's valuable. Like that's a valuable investment you had because you learned the lesson. It's just like trading. You, you make a bad trade, good trade. It's a lesson. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think you, you got to You got to invest to like know the things, know everything. Hundred percent. 
and people look at it as, hey, um, if I let, let's say my chat room membership is is insanely cheap compared to everybody else, and, I, and that's that's for a reason. Um, but let's say you join you join a mentorship of some kind, and they charge a thousand dollars. Well, immediately if you don't get anything out of that, or it's just like not your style, immediately sounds like you just you just wasted a thousand dollars. But in, in hindsight, and in a long term perspective, it's still a thousand dollars well invested because now you know yeah what you, you don't like. Now you don't yeah. you know what you don't like. You know what you feel won't work for you. So I think of it. I think of it as like a, you, it's like a grocery list for me. You know, whenever you trade, there are unlimited amounts of ways that you can fail. So that's a long ass uh, grocery list. But every time you make a failure, you just check it off your list. Okay, boom, boom, and that means you have less and less failures that you haven't made yet. So same thing when it comes to a mentor. But I do feel like a mentor is almost a necessity. It's part. It call it call it your tuition. Part of your tuition. For sure. Or, you know, it's money that you save from not making stupid mistakes. But right. um, I don't want to make it seem like we're pumping uh, group stuff. Give me your background. Like eight years ago, you started trading. You know, what was pre-Ashton then? And how has that changed your life? You know, what was the roller coaster during that time after? Well, I will say that uh, I'm still on that roller coaster, man. I think, I think sure. if you're trading for... You know, two years versus ten years versus forty years. It's always going to be, yeah, something like a roller coaster. But whenever before I started trading, um, I was in digital marketing, and I was looking working for a local uh, media conglomerate group, and I, I I despised it with every every bone in my body. Um, I was making next to nothing. I was about to get married. Uh, or no, I was newly married and my wife was pregnant at the time. And I just felt, you know, as a man, I was just like, you know, I, I'm meant to be doing more. I don't know what that is, but I just felt like I was really, really underperforming on my abilities and my capabilities. So I've always had an appeal for math. Like, uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. When you said you were looking for more, was the work not fulfilling or were you just not getting paid? Like what, what was that more if you're looking for? Both. But yeah. if I'm being honest, the money was probably the bigger, the bigger thing. <laughs> for sure. Um, I've always had an appeal for the stock market and interest in it um, and just money in general. I graduated with a chemistry degree. So I'm very analytically, th uh, that's how I think. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I went down that rabbit hole of YouTube, just like almost everybody does. Right. And YouTube was doing its algorithm, it was doing its thing, and I was being served all these ads, right? <laughs> and uh that's that's how I got onto that course that I mentioned, because I was getting served all these ads. Um and man, it was it was like drinking water from a fire hydrant. It's yeah. it's it's a lot. And um, and that's just with stock with shares, you know, and it's even more of a learning curve whenever you throw options into the mix. Um, so really. My, I remember my first three months talking about blowing up accounts. I did stupid on steroids, man. I This was back when they had uh, offshore brokers. They, st they still have them, but the brokers I, were using, I was using, they don't even exist anymore, if that tells you anything. And the thing about offshore brokers is they will, would allow you to fund a brokerage account with a credit card. <laughs> uh, 
So, and they had, they, it allows you to circumvent the PDT rule. So I was yeah. funding, I was funding an account at like $5,000 a pop. I lost like 30, 40, 50,000, somewhere in there. Some, really? some like, like right at, in my first three months. On credit cards? On credit cards. Jeez, so, yeah. Yeah, it was, that was a very, very, very low point in my life. Damn. <laughs> um, Did you quit your job at that point? No, I was still working the job. So I, I would literally be sitting in my office um, in my own little cubicle and I would be having my charts pulled up and then sometimes people would walk by, I'd close them. And then <laughs> I, I'd be in the middle of a trade and it would dump on me. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I lost a lot of money in three months and I put it all on a credit card, which is stupid on steroids. And then that took, that took me almost a whole year to dig out of that hole because I, you know, putting $5,000 into an, to an account, honestly, with zero experience and you're just starting a course from day one, probably not the best idea. Um, yeah. So it, it, it was tough, man. That first year was a rocky, rocky, rocky road. Um, and people ask me how long it took me to become profitable. It took, because that first year was so hard, it took me about two years to become cons consistently profitable. And now since I've taught and mentored so many people, that's, that's pretty normal, you know? Yeah, for sure. So you dug yourself out of that hole and then when'd you quit your job? What's that? So you, you dug yourself out of that hole of debt and when'd you quit your job? That was, so it was 2014, 2015 when I started, it was around 2018-ish. Yeah. The so three years after trading? Yeah. And yep. and from 2018 to like now, what's that been like every every year? Has it been like, um, yeah, what's the process been for you to just stay on top of your game? So I'm actually, I'm actually going through that right now. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of, hey, if you if you find a strategy that you like, if you go through a lull for a month or two, don't just make wholesale changes and, and chase the shiny penny rolling across the room. That's going to always, almost always do far more harm than good. But I'm also a big advocate of, hey, if you have a strategy, the base of it, always look to fine tune that and evolve it. So 2022 was a perfect example for the vast majority of options traders, because everybody was so prone to stock market go up by calls, you know, yeah. stock market go down by puts, right? <laughs> well, that's all great in a trending market. And people will say, well, the market's trending down in 2022. I'll just buy puts. Not so fast because we, you saw this, man. We You buy puts and the next day the market goes up three or 4%. Yeah. Countless times the market did that. For so. Sure. That 2022, in my opinion, was a great opportunity for a lot of traders, seasoned and new alike, to really focus on not only getting on the opposite side of the trade directionally, but getting on the opposite side of trade from buying and selling. We were in a high VIX environment. We still are, relatively speaking, in a high VIX environment. So that is really conducive to, to for selling for premium, especially when the VIX shoots up to above 30 well, the VIX doesn't like to sell up, stay elevated that long. So that's a great time to sell for premium because it contracts, yeah. you know, and uh, selling, selling options scares a lot of people, rightfully so, because a lot of people get really, really reckless with it. 
And that can be really, really dangerous if you start selling naked calls and naked puss. And that's that can be very dangerous. But if you if you know what you're doing and you don't get overly greedy, it can be a fantastic supplement to what you're doing. So that that has been my main focus for the past couple of years is selling premium, really fine tuning that. Um, and now I'm actually working on a project with a, a team of mine. And um, it's it's a project based on where key levels are based on market maker activity and supply, supply and demand sort of it's like it's like supply and demand on steroids um so and it's 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 going to be it's going to be interesting because it's like peeling back the curtain of the market you know because people always say the market's manipulated of course it is <laughs> and we can actually oh, the Apple yeah okay but so we can you're actually looking, you're looking at order flow or like uh blocks blocks on the orders and just seeing where the big buyers and sellers are that's a very very small part of it um but it all comes down to liquidity pockets um it's yeah. so it's it's supply and demand but there's a lot more to it i suppose so more to come to more to come on that but um you know the people say the market's manipulated of course it is and if we know what to look for at the right time um we can use that to our advantage especially as option sellers you know um that's yeah, really so go ahead so, so supply and demand is like i've done it all and it seems like that's the most profitable strategy out there. Have you found anything that is close to it or as, as, as profitable and helpful? I would say, I would say yes, but supply and demand zones are traditionally used for directional trades. So if, if, if it breaks above this level or if it comes down to this level by puts or by calls, but what about all the substance in the middle, you know? So it, like, for example, the market as we speak has been in a range for three weeks, almost a month. That's insane. So, so that, that right there can do a lot of, it's a lot of ping ponging if, you, if you're using supply and demand zones. And if that's your style, hey, I'm all for it. But what about everything in the middle? So people know, people have heard of iron condors and butterflies and all those things perfect perfect time to to explore those kinds of trades because then you you don't really care where the market goes if the market remains intact where it is yeah you make, you make money off of that so yeah i'm actually doing something similar i'm doing like uh back testing certain type of candles on the daily and the weekly and figuring out what strategy to use like iron condor or put or call credit spread yeah and you nah. with it with spy like expiring every day like you can literally just have a new type of strategy every day like today we break out over 384 you put a put credit spread at the low of the day and then monday there's a very small chance we pass that so like this is something i'm I'm really getting into right now too yeah that's actually my bread and butter um or credit spreads because uh and, and the way i explain it is this with credit spreads yes so like if you sell a put credit spread, that's actually a bullish trade. So essentially you put a, you put a, a, a trade at a certain level and you want price to remain above that level, come through expiration or as long as possible. And the cool thing about credit spreads is they are directional, yes, but they're also non-directional because you don't need the stock to go up per se at a rapid clip like you would if you're buying calls because you're against theta whenever you're a net buyer. 
all you need is this, the stock or an ETF or an index to stay ab above a certain level. So it doesn't matter if it goes up 10% in 10 minutes or 10% in 10 hours, as long as it stays above that. So it's, it's really, really flexible and it's really nice and straightforward for a lot of New York traders. Yeah. So with uh, your first years as trading, what were you doing then? Like when, when did you switch over to credit spreads and uh, has that like had a better effect on your like P&L and everything? Like why did you switch or did, I don't even know if you were doing that in the beginning or not, you know? So my, my, my evolution has been very, very incremental. So whenever I first started selling options, I started with the good old fashioned cover calls. And uh, I, to me, in my opinion, the covered calls and cash secured puts, they're virtually the same thing, um, just on different sides of the options chain. I think everybody should be doing that. that. And that you put them together, that's what we call the wheel strategy. I think everybody should be doing that, even passive investors, uh, long-term long -term investors rather, um, because it's like, it's like dividends on, I keep saying on steroids, but it's dividends on steroids. You know, so that's actually how I started. And this was, I started, I've been doing cover calls for about four years now, um, but just in the background. And then I started, started to think, I'm like, man, I really want to take this up a notch because cover calls on some shares I already owned, low stress trades. Um, I can put them really far out of the money um, and accept every outcome on that trade. And I said, man, I really like to take this up and not up a notch, but it's really capital intensive. So I was like, what is, what is, there's got to be a way to find the best of both worlds here and in steps credit spreads. Because if I, if I do a covered call and I don't want to sacrifice all that capital, well, I can just put on a call credit spread and it alleviates that cost or a lot of that cost, you know, and it's virtually the same concept as a covered call. So then that light bulb started coming on and that's how I started trading credit spreads. And then iron condors, it, it all feeds off of each other. Iron condors, sure. all that is, is a credit yeah. spread with a sure. credit spread, you know? So um, what, what's the, the, the money difference when you switched over from covered calls to credit spreads? Like have you 10 extra returns or doubled them? Like what's the difference been for you? I would, I, I don't know in terms of like 10x or 20x. I, I don't know that number at the top of my head, but um, I will say that it's it's much easier to make a profit on a daily basis or a weekly basis because in covered calls, you can do them um, on a weekly basis if you want, but it's hard to get a substantial premium if you're doing it that way. But with credit spreads, um, you can start tapping into higher price stocks like Tesla before it fell, um, you know, like an, an Adobe, higher price stocks like that, that are would other than usually be capital intensive, but I can put on a credit spread and trade it for three or four days and get a nice profit. So I would say the biggest difference is the, the velocity of the profit coming in instead of having to wait for so long. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say if you crush covered calls for the whole year, you might turn 30% on your account. Good. Like, that, that's like a good year. But if you did credit spreads, like I'm testing some stuff out right now with credit spreads. And just this first week of testing, the counts up like 15%. So it's like, it's amazing how fast they can move it. Like you said, the velocity is a lot quicker. 
Yeah. And the, the thing about credit spreads too, and this is why I highly recommend it for at least everybody to, to at least start looking or, or just or looking into and try to learn is that whenever you're, whenever you're a net seller, the probability on that trade goes up substantially. So, and really, Matt, I, the biggest challenge with newer traders isn't making money on a trade. That's easy. That's the easy part. But the hardest part for newer traders and seasoned traders is keeping the consistency. And the best way to keep the consistency is to always put the math, the probability in your favor. So, you know, normally whenever I put on a credit spread or an iron condor, I, I normally don't take that trade unless it has at least a 70% win probability. If you're even, if you just, if you have, uh, or I'm sorry, if you have a 50% accuracy, but if you stick to that probability over a long period of time, that math just works out, you know? So with, with like, with like an iron condor, you're finding iron condors with 70% pops. No, not with 70% pop. So I, I use a, a tool. It's an online calculator. So I just randomly found it one day to where you can go in, you put in the trade that you just entered or a trade that you're looking to enter, put the price of each leg, and it will give you, hey, based on your expiration, based on your spread width, all those things, your theta decay, you have a 72% chance to win on this trade. Yeah. And it... it I share this on Instagram from time to time where it's a, it's a graph that shows the, the probability of winning it. The green expands as each day passes. Yeah, I do. I show the same thing with optionsstrat.com. Yeah. They, they have a great, a great system there too. Yeah. So I, I, whenever versus something like if you go in and just say, Hey, I'm just going to buy calls on Apple for this expiration date. I want everybody <laughs> listening to this to do a little experiment. Find an online uh, options calculator of some kind. Look at the probability between buying calls on Apple on a random expiration date versus selling an iron condor. Tell me what you notice. Yeah. It's sometimes like you can make the same amount. Like you yep. put in a thousand bucks, you can make 500. So probability and the risk to reward are great. Yeah. So I, I, you know, there is a, definitely a time and a place to be a net buyer for sure. Buying calls or buying puts or buying a debit spread. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not exclusively just selling, selling options because there's a time and a place where selling options, it just doesn't make sense. You know, there's not, maybe there's not enough, excuse me, maybe there's not enough meat on the bone in terms of premium. And if that premium expands, well, and if you're a net seller, that goes against you. So, um, but for the most part, if there's an opportunity to be a net seller and sell for premium, that's that's generally what I'm looking for. Yeah, like right now it's it's nuts because Tesla, Apple, and all the bank stocks have the highest IV in like their history. And so yeah. if you were selling options like two weeks ago, your your premium's going up, even though like the stock could be sideways. So I, I, I ran into that. So one of the one of the things I love selling iron condors on is the Russell index, the RUT. Um, and that happened to me about a month ago. Um, I, I use a, a, a metric called IV percentile, which basically tells us, hey, 50% is average for that stock or that ETF or index. Anything above 50%, that means the premium for that instrument is higher than it normally is in the past year. 
Yeah. And whenever I entered this iron condor, the IV percentile was like 70%, which is <laughs> astronomically high for that. And um, I was in it for about two weeks. And about two weeks in, the IV went from 70 up to like 78. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, but eventually that did collapse, which worked in my favor eventually. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot, there's a whole lot more to options trading than people, people, people think, you know. Um, and people I, I've had several times, hey, I bought calls on XYZ stock. The stock went up, but I'm losing money. Why? Well, there's <laughs> there's a lot more that goes into it, you know. Yeah. So with with like your trading style, how many trades you put on a day? Like are you day trading or I see your zero day trading? How many trades you put on with like a weekly expiration and a monthly expiration or even past that? Like what's your every week, like what's your rotation kind of? So I, I do trade zero day SPX trades. Every I, day? Not I would say four out of the five trading days of the week. Uh -huh. uh, some days it's it's or some weeks it's I'll only trade two days. It's just a matter of what the market has given me. If I if I don't see anything clear and convincing, I won't I won't take take that trade on the on a particular day. Are you um, are you in something now? Uh yeah, I'm I'm actually in a uh zero day SPX trade right now. I'm up about 30% on it. I don't like to hold these very long, especially on Fridays, especially toward <laughs> the end of day on Friday, because nice. anything yeah. can happen. Actually, as we talk, I might I might get out of this trade. Um is it condor or put credit spread? It is a call credit spread, actually. So oh. I put a call credit spread on the SPX just when at the at the high of the day almost. Just I thought it was just a little too extended, but um okay. but in terms of swing trading, man, it all depends on what the market gives me. There there might be certain times where I'll initiate five or six new trades in a week swing mm -hmm. trades um but there will also be some weeks where i don't put on any new swing trades so so for example next week um and this week was pretty much the same way whenever we have a lot of high impact news events yeah this market is so delicate to news events right now um i i am very reluctant to put on a new swing trade the market the market can can go against you in either direction, two or three percent, and I—that's it's just—it's really, really hard to trade the market right now because of that. Um, so last week I put on two new trades for swing trades. This week I haven't put on any new swing trades at all. I just been trading the SPX. Next week I got a couple setups I'm watching, but I might not take any next week either because we have CPI. How how far do you go out? It depends on the setup, but. In a, in a normal market, like I'll say just 2021, um, in a general uptrending market, I'll usually go about 30 days out. Um, just to, cause whenever, whenever you're buying options, um, you all, if you can afford to give yourself the gift of time, um, if you're a net buyer and then I'll go 30 days out and typically I'll hold for about a 10 to 15 days and then It'll either hit my stop loss or my profit target and I'll get out. But if I'm selling for premium, that all depends on where, where the VIX is at that time. It all depends on what day of the week we're falling on. So, for example, if I take a trade on a Tuesday, well, we still have the rest of the week 
for the market to do what it wants versus on a Friday like today, well, what happens tomorrow? Well, the market's closed on the weekend. So that's the weekend is some free theta for me. So I, in that case, I might take it a little bit tighter. So it, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but um, net buyer, I usually like to go 30 days out. And do you stick to like a couple stocks or if your setup hits on like, like I did a square put credit spread this week, like if square set up, would you go in that or is it based off like liquidity or you just stick to your names? Whenever for iron condors, I have a specific iron condor list. And that is because um, a lot of people say, well, hey, Ashton, would you sell an iron condor on a stock like Roku? Absolutely not. Because Roku has such a high beta, it can move really, really fast. And Iron Condor, you want that stock to stay put. So for Iron Condors, I stick to like very liquid names, um, stocks that have cleaner breakouts, and stocks that like to consolidate. You know, stocks like um, J.P. Morgan, like Disney, uh, McDonald's, stocks like that. Yeah. Um, but if I'm trading directionally, like a put credit spread, call credit spread, or outright calls or whatever, um, I have certain very strict criteria on a whole bunch of scanners that I use, custom scanners. And a lot of people say are very, very much against scanners. Like, oh, you know, 500 stocks on a scanner. Yeah, but if you know exactly what you are looking for. For sure. And you can make those scanners very, very, very strict. Yeah. So that way you don't have 40 popping up on a scanner. I only have three, you know? Yeah, that's huge. Like I'm big on automation this year. So I have like lists that come to me just while we're talking, I had a bunch of call credit spreads come through and put credit spreads, very narrow criteria, like you said. And so I just look for stuff and check the chart and go through the top four and that's it. Yeah. Like Apple's been insane for selling auctions and Usually it's not. It's like a really boring stock. Yeah, that's it's it's an interesting dy dynamic we're in the market right now. And Tesla, Tesla's such a difficult stock to trade, man. It, it really is. It's um, great. To, it's great to scalp, but if you're swinging it, it's. I mean, it's been directionally down for almost three or four months. So, yeah. I think this last stretch has been easy, but historically, Tesla's tough to swing. Yeah, I, I think it's it's mainly tough to swing because it, the IV contracts and expands so fast on Tesla <laughs> to where to where even if you do get the direction right, if that IV goes against you, it like so let's say you're a net buyer and it contracts when, when you're you're in it, man, that's even if the stock goes in your favor, you're not gonna make as much as you think you're going to. That's that's the tricky part with Tesla, especially with you throw Elon in there and his tweeting, and that could throw it into a tailspin. Then you throw Twitter into Twitter, it. Yeah, it's it's insane. And then you got like fines from uh, other countries now recently this week, and I think the funds are starting to sell just because they don't trust Elon for this little last yeah, couple. Of weeks. I, I love it for a long term buy, um, but for trading, it's 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 probably one of the most difficult stocks in the, in the market to trade. So I got 10 ish minutes and then um, pop off, but just going to go through just a couple last questions and make them like a little bit more fun. But like when you're doing your first year trading and you're 30 K in debt, 
like how did you get through that man like that was why did you go back into the markets like your wife must have been like on you every day <laughs> you know what i'm so glad you asked that question because that's probably the most important question to make me who i am honestly and that yeah. was don't keep if you're married or or if you're dating right if you're in a relationship don't keep stuff like that from your spouse because I, I I I've talked to a lot I've talked to a lot of guys and talked to a lot of a lot of women who have done this and they say man I just blew up an account I I I put a, a, a mortgage second mortgage on our home and they didn't tell my wife or, or some crazy stories I've heard yeah you you can't keep that stuff from your spouse man um so that was really the biggest thing for me is whenever I was doing it and putting it on the credit card um I wasn't telling my wife then but as soon as it happened I I, I told her I was just like listen I messed up I take I take accountability for that but I'm going to do whatever it takes I don't know what that looks like yet to make sure this is resolved um and she she backed me man she had my she was 100 supportive of that that's great um, so i i just i just kept the conversation as a more of a long-term view you know in the grand scheme of things 20 years from now this is just going to be a simple blip on the radar you know and but i think you, go ahead. you got it i think um i think that's that outlook is important to have for trading regardless is don't look don't if you're looking just for the next three three to six months you're not going to make it, man. Like this is this is truly a long-term game, and you got to look at it as, hey, yeah, I lost a, a trade today. It sucks, but in ten years from now, I'm not even going to remember this, you know. And that's I think that's important to have. But mentally, like when you were down thirty k or said fifty k, maybe, like most people have that in the back of their head. Every trade, it's like I'm I'm still down on the gear, like if I could just have one trade and fix it, like that would be ideal. How do you like keep going slowly? How'd you like survive that, that debt number? I remember, um, you know, it's kind of like a snowball effect and you do, you do carry, especially as a newer trader, you carry that into your next trade for sure. Whenever you start to feel yourself do that, you got to cut it off. You got to cut off that, that lifeline boom immediately. And what I did was I completely stopped trading for like a month. And at the time I was leaning toward not trading ever again, because I, I was, I was so sick to my stomach. I can't believe I allowed myself that to uh, allow myself to, for that to happen. Um, but then, you know, if you're a trader, you're a trader. And after a few weeks, I had that, that pull, you know, that just in, in, in my heart, just to get back to the markets. And I said, you know what? I cut off all ties from social media, nothing on YouTube, nothing stock market related. I cut it all off. Um, and then my wife said something so brilliant to me and so profound. She said, well, isn't, aren't there other ways to trade? I was like, oh my gosh, that's so profound. And she was right. So I, I completely went back to the drawing board. Um, I, I, I was using my paycheck to get out of the debt. Um, I was paper trading there for a while um, and documenting every single possible thing I could on my trades to see what really worked and really take it seriously as a business, as you mentioned. Um, 
that got me in the right mind mind frame and that started the the journey to dig out of that hole and i eventually got out of it yeah it's incredible and so with basically it sounds like you were just you were going to be a trader and that was the end of the story like you weren't going to quit this so you just took a break at that mental like release and then got back and started to just everything started to work so you paper traded small account traded maybe and saw results and when did you have we get back to like a larger account after that um it was really an organic thing um and i actually learned another lesson too later on down the road is i i funded like another five thousand dollar account whenever i was fully ready and out of that out of that hole and i built that up to like 50 grand and uh i was like okay well now i'm gonna turn this 50 grand into 500 grand or whatever it was um but this is very very common i kept hitting that fifty thousand dollar wall you know <laughs> and i would have i would have a, a drawdown from fifty thousand down to forty two thousand back up to 50 and then back to and i was just like this is driving me crazy so what i did was yeah that five hundred thousand sounds really appealing but that's another 10x from here is that likely probably not so what i was that that's when i started to get into the mantra of paying myself as a trader <laughs> and I think that's a really important habit to get into. So I I, I took the fifty thousand dollars, took it off the top, and took it back down to like ten thousand or whatever. And I, I've been I've been doing that ever since. And the numbers are are different now, but if I get to a certain place on my, in my account and I keep hitting that wall, I'll take it down. It, it helps keep you humble and it helps keep you your risk management in check. Yeah, that's like a lifelong lesson I preach and like since the last three years ago. I basically like uh learned that lesson the hard way. You know, you always wanted the next double and then you your the next double didn't come and then it actually came like a 50% drop in in some cases if you weren't um on top of risk management. Yeah, and one one thing I found to really help with that is yeah, it, it's 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 gratifying, but it hurts at the same time to pull a big chunk of that out of your account. Yeah. But to me, that's where cover calls step in. I have a I have a complete separate account for cover calls, and I can take a big chunk of cash, put it into the shares or or wheel strategy. So that way I'm in that account, it's kind of passive, but I'm also kind of trading at the same time. So that's been the fix for me personally. Yeah, I love that. And so last question um I don't know if you want to share too much of this but you said on your Instagram you want to do more um therapy this year counseling yeah. and so what is a trader business person family guy like what do you need to stay on top of is it weekly or monthly like what do you think other people need to hear about that man I, I one of the most pivotal times in my life was about three years ago I, I was, I was depression. I was on medication and anybody knows who's been on a depression medication. Like you just feel like a zombie and it's, it's just, I just felt awful. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this the, uh, the natural way and go to therapy. I only did three sessions and it changed my life. Um, so I, and I haven't been to a therapy session since, but I want to get back on that. And people think therapy, you only go whenever you're down in the gutter. No, I, I found the complete opposite. Like whenever whenever you're feeling content or, or you're feeling great, you feel you're making progress in life, 
that's also a good time to go because it helps keep those those bad thoughts and you know for me personally my my worst struggle is i'm way too hard on myself and that is a bad thing to have it's a traitor (laughs) you know um so that's something i struggle with and if i go to therapy while i'm while everything is pretty good it helps keep everything at bay so um for me i think i think going to a session once once a month it's it's good to have you know it's good to consider it a tool in your tool belt as a trader yeah and with, with your trading in particular like what's the most important stuff to talk about with this person if people want to go that are listening i actually i made a post about this yesterday on instagram and it really comes down to you know the comparison is the thief of joy and uh especially if you're a trader and you're a trader who posts on social media or you're on social media you know for example i made fourteen hundred dollars yesterday <laughs> i saw and, that yeah and relatively speaking based on what we all see on social media that's that's nothing and this is something that i would talk to a therapist about and be like because I, I feel like oh i made i only made five hundred dollars today or whatever that sucks woe is me but if you really think about it in the proper context, that I don't think anybody should have the right to complain about that. Five hundred dollars in a day for clicking a couple of buttons, dude, that's awesome. You know, a yeah. hundred dollars, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it's just putting that into perspective and having that second voice saying, "Hey, you're you're doing all right." You know, <laughs> I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge, man. It's a tough world we live in. A lot of comparisons and a lot of uh unfortunately people posting fake stuff about trading that's yeah. a real bummer because a lot of people look up to these other traders on the internet yeah and a and lot they, of that a lot of that is fake false expectations you know yeah so that's that's all i got i gotta pop off but i appreciate your time and uh thank you for joining us if you want to check out ashton i'll drop his instagram and Um, links below in the episode here you can check out his stuff and hopefully we'll have you back on the next one all right brother i appreciate it such a pleasure